You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Oh, what a week it's been. As we have seen a new administration come into power in Washington, let us never forget who's ultimately in power. And that's our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Maybe you joined me this week in watching the inauguration of Joe Biden to president. I happened to catch it right when Lady Gaga was singing the national anthem. And I'm here to tell you a tear came to my eye as I sat watching this woman sing our great anthem. This immoral woman that has prostituted herself to stand before our nation and sing our most sacred hymn. As I was sitting and watching, this thought came to my mind. Up is now down and down is now up. What are we to do? And so you can thank Lady Gaga for the message that you're going to hear <laughs> this morning. 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 5, turn there, gave a prophecy directed to the nation of Israel, the children of God, and yet it sounds like he was prophesying directly to us today. God's word says the things that were written beforehand are written for our learning. We need to learn some things from this prophecy of Isaiah today. When up is down and down is up, what are we to do as the people of God in a crooked and adulterous generation? Beginning with verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from them. If we're not seeing that take place today in our culture. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness. They are rotten to the core. And their blossoms shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is my anger of the Lord kindled against his people, 
And he hath stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them. And the hills did tremble and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all his anger is not turned away. But notice this last phrase. But his hand is stretched out still. All God's people said, his hand is stretched out still. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word today. May it speak deeply into our hearts and help us to understand what we are to do in this day and age in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to understand something. As the children of God, we have been called upon by God to fight a good fight of faith. We have not been called upon to lay down our arms. We have been called upon to fight. The Bible tells us that we are to wrestle. We are to strive. We are to contend. And we are to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. I don't know how you view the church, but I don't view the church as an entertainment center. I don't believe that's ever why God designed the church. I believe God designed the church to be a training ground where his soldiers are trained to engage in battle, to fight the good fight of faith. So the next time you come to church, don't come with the idea of how can I be entertained today? Come with this idea. How can I be trained to do battle for the Lord in this day and age in which we live? Let me say this. There is a war that's raging in our country. This war is not only raging in our country. This war is raging in the world. And this war is raging in our lives, and it's a war between two kingdoms. Between the kingdom of God and between the kingdom of Satan. So I'm going to preach a very doctrinal message today. This is a difficult message for me to preach. It'll probably be a real difficult one for you to wrap your mind around, so you really, really have to give me your attention. All right? Suppose someone were to ask you, what is the kingdom of God? How would you respond? How would you answer? Well, the easy answer would be to say, well, a kingdom is a territory over which a king sovereignly rules and reigns. And, and you'd be right. The Bible said the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens. Now listen to this. And his kingdom rules over all. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world, the world and they that are in them. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven is and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom. O Lord, thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from thee. Listen, and thou rulest over what? 
Thou rulest over all. So a kingdom is a territory over which a king sovereignly rules and reigns. Now, since we understand, as Bible believers, we understand that God is the creator of all things. Do you believe that? Say amen. We are endowed by our what? Creator. Our founders believed that as well. That's why they believed that our rights did not come from government. Our rights come directly from God himself, the sovereign ruler of all. So understanding that, the extent of his kingdom and his reign has to be the entire universe, including this world. The Bible says his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So the kingdom of God is wherever God reigns and since he reigns everywhere, his kingdom, his kingdom is a universal kingdom. Now that right there lays the foundation for the rest of this message. Do you remember old prideful King Nebuchadnezzar? who thought he was Mr. Big Shot and that his kingdom ruled over all and that he was the most powerful world ruler of his time. Remember that? Listen to how the king of the universe humbled this man. Daniel chapter 4, listen as I read. And they shall drive thee, Daniel said, from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as an oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Did you get that? The Nebuchadnezzar, for seven years, you're going to turn in to an animal until you realize that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as an oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, at the end of seven years, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up his eyes unto heaven and his understanding returned unto him. And this is what he said. I bless the most high. I'm no longer the most high. He's the most high. I bless the most high and praise and honor him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me for the glory of my kingdom. My honor and my brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me, but now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. 
all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. You better remember who's in charge. Sometimes we think that God has lost charge of this world. He hasn't lost charge at all. He is still on the throne. When John the Baptist came out of the wilderness preaching repent for the kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand, he had a very urgent message for the people of his day. What was he talking about? Okay, here. What was he talking about when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What was he talking about? When Jesus appears on the scene, he preached the exactly same message that John the Baptist was preaching. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hear those words, kingdom? So what did they mean? What did John mean by the kingdom of God is at hand? What did Jesus mean by the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand? If the kingdom, if the kingdom is or consists of where God reigns and his reign is the universe, then why would they have to announce the kingdom of God is at hand? Obviously, are you still all with me? This is, a, this is a difficult message. You've got to stay with me. There's already been a lot of interruptions today. Have you noticed that? Satan does not want you to get an understanding of this war that's raging in these kingdoms. So obviously, John the Baptist and Jesus meant something else when they were talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. They meant something else other than God's sovereign rule over, the, over this earth and the universe itself. John and Jesus were both speaking of a kingdom that was ruled by God's appointed Messiah. Speaking of a kingdom that was ruled by God's appointed Messiah who would not only be the redeemer of man, but would also be their king. Remember Peter's great confession. Thou art the, I can't hear you, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now that name Christ is equivalent to the name Messiah. Thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus said to the Pharisees who were accusing him of doing his ministry under the power of Satan, this, he said this, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom, listen, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying this, I am the king of the kingdom. Now how could Jesus be the king of the kingdom? Because he's Messiah. So when John was talking about the kingdom of God is at hand and Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God was at hand or that it was near, what were they talking about? That, that, that the king of the kingdom was now present. The king of the kingdom was the Messiah. And that Messiah was Jesus. Now here's what you need to understand. Again, very theological, very doctrinal message today. There are four aspects of the kingdom of the Messiah. And it's very, I'll be honest with you, it's very confusing 
when you're reading in the Bible to be able to interpret correctly, what kingdom are we talking about? Are we talking about this universal kingdom? Are we talking about some heavenly kingdom? Are we talking about some earthly kingdom? Are we talking about some kingdom within or within the heart of men? What are we talking about? That's where the context in which the kingdom is found interprets exactly what kingdom is being talked about. So, so here's where we want to go now. Again, we're getting to the war of the kingdoms. I want to talk about the kingdom of God. 69 times in the Bible, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God. Now, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, what does he rule over? What have we, what have we just discovered? He rules over everything. He rules over the universe. Okay? So the kingdom of God would include his rule over the entire universe, including the world itself. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus saith unto the Pharisees, Verily I say unto you, that publicans and harlots shall go into the kingdom of God before you. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Verily I say unto you, I will not drink no more of the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of God. Suffer the little children to come unto me, forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. What are we talking about? His universal rule over all things. So broadly speaking, or generally speaking, the kingdom of God simply refers to an all-powerful, almighty, eternal, sovereign God's rule over everything. His kingdom rules over all. Now, when Jesus was speaking to the rich young ruler, how many remember that story? What shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? When Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler, it's very interesting, he uses the phrase the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven interchangeably. Now, the kingdom of God rules over the kingdom of heaven. So listen to this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So here the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably. So think about this. God's kingdom rules over what, church? God's kingdom rules over all. The second aspect of the kingdom of God is what we've just mentioned, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as a child, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same shall be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, nor suffer ye them that are entering to go in. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is simply an aspect of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom rules over all, and yet we know he rules in where? 
in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven then are used interchangeably throughout scripture. The context has to determine what kingdom you're talking about. Are you talking about the universal rule of God or are you talking about the eternal rule of God and what we would know as heaven? So they're used in the same sense. In Revelation chapter 1 through chapter 4, the glorified Christ is seen sitting on his throne in the kingdom of where? Heaven. But the kingdom of heaven is also the kingdom of God. Know ye not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? In that aspect, we're talking about heaven, right? We're talking about heaven. Know ye not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither be not deceived, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers themselves with mankind, but such were some of you before we got saved. So there is the kingdom of God, which is a what kind of kingdom? Universal kingdom. There's the kingdom of heaven that refers to his eternal rule in the heavens. Then there's another kingdom talked about in Scripture. This is the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of earth, another aspect of the kingdom of God. Remember when Gabriel was having a conversation with Mary about her pregnancy? Listen to what the angel said. And he, referring to her child, which was Jesus, who was the Messiah, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his there shall be no end, and of his kingdom. So we have the universal kingdom of God that rules over all. We have the heavenly kingdom of God, which is that eternal kingdom that one day, praise the Lord, will be with the Lord in. But then we have an earthly kingdom of God. Now let me ask you a question. Is God ruling right now on this earth? No. His kingdom rules over all, but right now in his sovereignty, that rule over the earth has been relinquished. There is, however, coming a day when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So the kingdom of God in the Bible refers to the universal kingdom. It refers to the heavenly kingdom, but it can also refer to the earthly kingdom. Context has to determine what kingdom are we talking about here. This future earthly kingdom is going to be ruled by who? Jesus Christ. Right now, if, you, if you'll follow me here. Right now, we are living in what the Bible calls the church age. When every soul that's going to be saved is saved and the church age is complete, the sound of the trumpet will blow. That we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever, what? Be with the Lord. And then we enter into a seven-year what the Bible calls the tribulation period when God picks up his dealing with the nation of Israel again. So now you got the, the church age, you got the rapture, you have the tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period, you have the battle of Armageddon and the return of who? The Messiah, Jesus. 
At his return, he's going to set up his earthly kingdom. Are you with me? So when you're reading in the Bible and you're reading all about these kingdoms, what kingdom is it talking about? Is it talking simply about the universal rule of God? Is it talking about the kingdom of heaven as we know it? Is it talking about Christ's earthly rule on this earth during what the Bible calls the millennial kingdom? This is when he will be crowned king of kings and what? Lord of lords. The government in that day will be upon his shoulders and not upon the shoulders of President Biden. Hallelujah. One day, up will be up and down will be down. But until that day, there is a war of the kingdoms taking place. So far, our new president has signed in three days being in office, not counting today, but three days being in office, he has signed 30 executive orders. The only thing I can think is he's trying to keep up with our governor. <laughs> he has rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, which just puts oppressive regulations on business. He has halted the construction of the Keystone Pipeline, which I'm just, I cannot believe this. Have you ever been in a place where you say, how can people think so differently? How can they be on two such opposite extremes? Call evil good and good evil. Light for darkness, darkness for light. Bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. I guess he has to do that in order to bring in this green new deal that's absolutely going to destroy us financially as a country. He has halted the construction of the border wall. What are you even thinking? He has revoked the strict immigration policies of finding and deporting illegal immigrants. That's why you now see all these caravans that are headed to our country. The word's out. He signed an executive order allowing workers who are afraid of contracting the coronavirus to stay home and not work and continue to gain unemployment. Just say, I'm afraid I'll, I'll get the virus. So I'll stay home and make more money staying home than I would going to work. Sign an order to prevent workplace discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. Sign an order to protect the rights of transgender athletes to participate in athletic events as their identified gender in both high school and college sports, allowing transgenders access to restrooms and locker rooms. I'm going to tell you right there, that, that destroys women's sports in America. Besides, it's just perversion. Mandating of the wearing a mask of federal property. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me that upon our new president's inauguration that China had a day of, nat of uh, national rejoicing, fireworks, and so did Iran. I want to tell you something. If China and Iran are having a national day of 
we're excited President Trump is gone and President Biden has come. That, that ought to say a lot right there. No. Right now, the kingdoms of this world are controlled by Satan. Now that's hard for some of us to swallow. But though God is in sovereign control over all things, he has allowed Satan right now to become what the Bible says, the God of this world. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's why the hope of the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophets was when they prophesied that there was a day coming when a righteous king would come and this king would rule on the throne of his father David and this righteous king would rule in righteousness and he would be the Messiah, the promised one. How many remember Simeon when Mary and Joseph brought Christ in to dedicate him in the temple? Remember that old, old man, Simeon, was waiting. This is what he said. I've been waiting for the consolation of Israel. I've been waiting for the Messiah to come. And the Spirit of God moved in Simeon's heart, and Simeon knew that that child that was about to be circumcised and dedicated to the Lord was the promised Messiah. And then he said this, I can now die in peace, for I have seen the salvation of Israel. What was Simeon looking forward to? He was looking forward to the day when the Messiah would come and set up his righteous kingdom on earth. What about the disciples? As the disciples followed the Lord Jesus, and he was preaching good tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, what was in the mind of the twelve disciples? Were they thinking about this universal kingdom? Were they thinking about that heavenly kingdom? What kingdom were they thinking about? An earthly kingdom. They thought that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to set up his earthly kingdom and that they would rule and reign with him from his throne in that earthly kingdom. That's what they believed. So you can see how disappointed they were when he was crucified. Was that what they expected? No. So what did they do? They all scattered, except John. Why? Because in their mind, they were only thinking of an earthly kingdom. And now the king of their kingdom had been crucified. Now we come to the book of Acts. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he appears unto his disciples. How many of you remember what the first question was they asked the risen Savior? Are you going to, at this time, restore the kingdom? What were they hoping for? Well, now that he's died on the cross, and now that he's resurrected from the dead, certainly now! Now he's going to free us from Rome and he's going to take the throne of his father David and we're going to rule and reign with him on his earthly kingdom. But what did the Lord Jesus say? It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the father hath put in his own power, 
but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. What do you say? It's not time. It's not time for my earthly kingdom. And I'll tell you what, I wish we were living in the earthly kingdom of Christ right now, but we're not. So what are we living in right now? We're living in a war between two kingdoms. The war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Revelation chapter 19, listen as I read. And I saw heaven open. His kingdom's coming. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war, the Messiah. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. That's you and I. Clothed in fine linen, the righteousness of Christ, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword, that with it he should smite the nations." And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. The righteous rule of Christ on this earth. The kingdom of God, universal. The kingdom of God, a heavenly kingdom. But then, the kingdom of God ruled by Christ, the Messiah, on this earth. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the furiousness of the wrath of Almighty God, the end of the battle of the Armageddon. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and the flesh of them that sit upon them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast, the Antichrist, was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. Which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And I saw the angel come down from heaven, having the keys to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of, of, the, of the, the dragon, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled, the millennial reign of Christ. And after that, he must be loosed a little season one final rebellion. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, the church-age saints. 
And I saw the souls of them that were headed for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, tribulation saints, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The millennial reign of Christ on earth, his kingdom on earth. But the rest of the dead lived not until the thousand years were finished. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ. Now here it goes again. And shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Wow. Let me tell you something. That's pre-written history. What I just read to you is exactly what's going to happen when Jesus Christ returns to this earth and sets up his kingdom. Now, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, he summarizes two different fates of individuals. He says this, And many of them that sleep, remember we talked about the first and second resurrection, those who are involved in the first resurrection will rule and reign with Christ on the earth. Those who are involved in the second resurrection will be cast into the lake of fire. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. Listen, there's going to be a resurrection. One resurrection, the first resurrection, those of the first resurrection will rule and reign with Christ here on this earth in his millennial kingdom. Those in the second resurrection will be cast into the lake of fire. Jesus also referred to these two resurrections. He called it the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust. The just will be resurrected to life. The unjust will be resurrected to damnation. Listen to me here. There is a heaven and there is a hell. You're going to one or two places. Either you will be involved in the first resurrection or you will be involved in the second resurrection, but you will be resurrected. The Bible says that the, those who are involved in the first resurrection, the second death. Does anybody remember? What is the second death? They were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. On those who are part of the first resurrection, God's word says the second death will have no power. So who is all involved in the first resurrection? How many remember when Jesus died on the cross, when he gave up the ghost? Remember some of the Old Testament saints rose from the dead and began to walk around Jerusalem. They were part of that first resurrection. Christ was part of the first resurrection. Those of us who will be raptured are part of the first resurrection. Those who will be resurrected at the end of the tribulation period, at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, which would include the tribulation saints and Old Testament saints, they're part of that first resurrection. And those who are part of the first resurrection will rule and reign with Christ where? On this earth. In his kingdom. Those who are involved in the second resurrection 
will be resurrected after the millennial reign of Christ is completed when Satan is loosed from his bottomless pit to have one more final act of rebellion. It's called the battle of Gog and Magog, and he will be defeated once and for all, forever and ever. Those who will be resurrected at the end of the millennial reign of Christ will be resurrected and cast into the lake of fire. Death and hell will be resurrected and cast into the lake of fire. Now, I said all of that to say we've talked about the kingdom of God, which is universal, the kingdom of God, which is heavenly, the kingdom of God, which is earthly, but there's one more kingdom the Bible talks about. Listen to the words of Jesus. Luke 17, 21, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. That is a spiritual rule of Christ over the hearts and lives of his people. How many of you are saved and on your way to heaven? Can I see your hand? You know what? You have a kingdom within the inside of you. It's a kingdom over which the Messiah Christ wants to rule. Remember how I said there's a war of the kingdoms going on? There's a war in this world. But there's also a war within. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, it's not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirits, which are the Lord's. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells within you? Perhaps the greatest battle going on right now is the battle that takes place within the heart of man. Who's the king of the kingdom? Who's the king of the kingdom? Jesus, the Messiah. The question, is he the king of your kingdom? Are you allowing Christ to rule on the throne of your heart? Are you a spirit-filled believer? Are you walking in victory? Are you obeying the king? Are you being led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Listen, I came across this quote. It said, It is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. Can we see God's kingdom universally? Can we see God's kingdom heavenly? Yes or no? We can't even see his future earthly kingdom right now except through the scriptures. We cannot see the kingdom of God that is within the heart and life of the believer. But it is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. We do that by living in such a way that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ in our jobs, in our families, in our schools, yes, and even in our checkbooks. 
Because God in Christ is king over every one of these spheres of life. The only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifested in this world before Christ comes, earthly kingdom, is if we manifest it by the way we live as the citizens of heaven and subjects of the king. Tell you what, that is good. The war of two kingdoms. Jesus talked about the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. Remember the fall of Lucifer? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. We read about the rise and the fall of Satan. But right now, let me say this. He's the God of this world who has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. How can you call evil good and good evil? Because you're blind. How can you call light darkness and darkness light? Because you're blind. How can you exchange sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet? Because you're blind. How can people think so differently? Because some are blind. Why do we think the way that we think? Because Christ and his Holy Spirit lives within us and he teaches us all things and we have the word of God that shapes our whole view of life. That's why we see things so differently. But there is a king that shapes their view of life as well. You remember when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden? His creation was complete. And listen, I'm almost done. This is what he said. I am giving you dominion. Christ said, listen, though I have dominion over all, though my kingdom rules over all, I'm going to delegate dominion to you, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve ruled for a period of time. We don't know how long they ruled. But they ruled until they sinned. And when they sinned, let me ask you a question. Who took over dominion of this world? Took it from them. That's why when Jesus was tempted, Satan took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and showed him, what did he show him? All the kingdoms of this world. Whose kingdoms were those? In a moment of time, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I will give you the kingdoms of this world if you'll just bow down and worship me. Get thee behind me, Satan. Think of this. He was being offered his kingdom on earth by avoiding the cross. Aren't you glad he didn't take it? 
No, he had to go through the cross to purchase our redemption. But the book of the Revelation records a day, I love this, where John wept because no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was worthy to take that title deed. But then one of the elders said, stop weeping. The lion which is from the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed. He alone is worthy to open the seals. And those seals, those seven seals were the Lord Jesus reclaiming this earth. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Listen. The millennial, those thousand years, doesn't end his reign. He will rule for a thousand years. Satan will be loosed for a little season. One last final rebellion, the battle of Gog and Magog, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And guess what? The Bible stops. Well, a battle rages. The war rages on. And to be honest with you, the Bible said it's going to get worse and worse. You know why? Because he knows he has but a short time. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. The devil is come down to you having great wrath because he knows but he has but a short time. What are we to do? When up is down and down is up and the kingdoms of this world now belong to Satan and let's be honest, it looks like he's winning. What are we to do? Here's what we're to do. Continue to fight a good fight of faith. Because you know, have you ever heard that song? I've read the book. And we win. His kingdom is coming. We fight a good fight of faith. We continue in the things which we have learned. Having done all to stand, what are we going to do? Give up? Having done all to stand, what are we going to do? We're going to stand. When they call evil good and good evil, we're going to call it just the opposite. When they say light is darkness and darkness is light, we're going to say, no, it's not, and we're going to let our light so shine. When they exchange bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, we're not going to make that exchange in our lives. Though his wrath has come, Remember what we read, verse 25 of Isaiah chapter 5? His hand reacheth out still. That's mercy. John tells us in this day and age to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. He says, don't allow the wicked one to touch you. He said, keep yourself from idols. So church, what are we going to do in an upside-down world? We're going to live exactly like we've been living. We're not going to change. We are not, we're absolutely going to refuse to be conformed to this world. They want us to believe that homosexuality is okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is an abomination to God. 
The liberals can rage all they want to and try to suppress our voices, but our voices will not be suppressed. They can burn down buildings and they can loot stores and they can burn police vehicles and they can say it's all peaceful protest. And we're going to say, no, it's not. We live in a society that condones every kind of sinful lifestyle choices that you could imagine. Yet they are critical and they're condemning of anyone who disagrees with their behavior. Bring it on. We're going to continue to disagree. We're going to continue to let our light shine. It's interesting. We now live in a, in a nation, a Christian nation. Where Christians and Christianity is mocked and biblical teaching is ridiculed. But don't say a word about Islam which calls for the murder of Christians and Jews. Don't say anything about that. It's okay to condemn people who are conservative and truly love this country and yet turn around and praise those who take a knee at a football game as heroes. Something's wrong here. As I said, as I began the message 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah prophesied the exact day in which we're now living. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. We're now living in a generation of people who are doing the very things that Isaiah prophesied against. They're selfish, undisciplined, easily offended. Isn't it amazing how easily offended people are? Get a life. Even in the church. People get so easily offended. Get over it. People are immoral. They're happy to call evil good and good evil. I heard this quote just this week. A wrong deed, a wrong deed is right if the majority of the people declare it not to be wrong. Did you get that? A wrong deed is right if the majority of the people declare it not to be wrong. Wrong is always wrong. It never changes, even though the majority may say, no, it's not. Homosexuality is now deemed as okay. President Biden may write a decree that it is, but it's not. Those of us who would criticize homosexuality, now it's called hate speech. Isn't it interesting that things that used to be immoral are now moral? And the things that used to be moral are now considered immoral. The sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. It's still between a man and a woman. To say it's immoral to kill animals. And yet you can kill a child up to the time of birth. Up is down and down is up. There were once laws that forbid adultery, but now 
It's just called an affair. There were times when divorce and shacking up was considered sin. I was watching an old, old, old show just the other day. It was talking about how someone wanted, I can't remember what the show was. It was an old Western. And how someone wanted to run for political office, but they couldn't because they had been divorced. Now we embrace it. Shacking up's no big deal. We've twisted, we have perverted the scriptures, make them say what we want them to say, so we feel less guilty. But sin is a transgression of the law. And God's law has not changed. Man may seek to change it by executive order, but it has not changed. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Let me tell you something. If you're in the kingdom of his son, there's a war going on between his kingdom and Satan's kingdom. What side are you going to come down on? It's a serious question. What side are you going to come down on? One thing I'm thankful about the day in which we live, it is drawing the line, isn't it? It certainly is drawing the line. That we should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Though his anger is kindled, his hand reaches out still. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.